Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All righty then, we are live with another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we are talking about the struggling that is continuing. Clark's play, Edmonton right on our heels. Blake's presser tomorrow as well as some other topics. So get in the chat, like and subscribe. You know what to do. Let's get All right, guys, we are ready to go here. Uh, we got everybody in the chat already firing on all cylinders. Sai was the first one in here, so we've got to pump that out. Go Kings go. Depressing January, hoping for a cheerful February. Uh, I'm hoping for a, a you know a late late pick-me-up from January as well. We need to get this thing turned around. Lieb coming in here. Hey, y'all, or hey, all. Shakemaster, what up, all? Let's talk some LA Kings hockey. Go Kings go. Arby, what up, guys? Carter scores. I would have thought Rannon drank himself to death during the game yesterday. Laugh emoji. Go Kings go. Let's get it. Uh, it wasn't far off there, Carter, but uh, it was still a fun time. Hello, everyone. From CJ. Leave coming here. Best intro music in the biz. So uh, let's get going into this uh, topics here. But before I do that, I just want to say what's up, guys, uh, to my co-hosts here and see how they're doing. So how you doing, Russ? Doing pretty good. Uh I guess non-hockey related, doing pretty good. So it's been a, it's good to get like, once you're out of like the mix of Christmas and like New Year's Eve and then you had like some people were on and off because of MLK day. And I feel like you can finally get back in the groove of like, like working again. Like a, this isn't our full-time job, we have a full-time job. So it's like, once you get past all those holidays, now you're like, okay, I got to get back to like a normal type of schedule. Right. So I think I'm getting back in the groove of it. How you doing, Joe? can relate to that Russ so not only do you have Christmas New Year's and Thanksgiving before that and with two little ones Halloween before that uh, my my older son's birthday is late November so throw that in the mix my younger son's birthday is January 10th throw that in the mix so it is a jam-packed like three months so not too upset to be on the other side of that so can definitely definitely feel where you're coming from there. So, Brandon, how were you? How was the game other than the disappointing result? Uh, it, it was good. Family came out and visited. Uh, they came out during the coldest snap of the year. I mean, we were in single digits here in Texas for a little bit. Uh, so we just pretty much 
Eight at restaurants that decided to stay open because some of them closed during we got snow. Um, and then, uh, you know, just played some board games, played some dominoes, just chit-chatted. Uh, we take the train to the game, so that's kind of fun. You know, sitting on the train, you talk. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's more fun on the way back when you have a W. You know, you're not getting trolled by Stars fans and stuff like that. But naturally, um, it was good. Tried a new little uh, pub spot right by the stadium that wasn't there last time I was there. So food was pretty good. Uh, beer selection was good. So can't complain there. Just it sucks. I, uh, I feel for my brother. I think he's, I was telling you before the podcast, I think he's 0 for his last seven games. Watch. <laughs> like, I haven't seen a Kings win it forever. He's like, I've spent over, he's like, I've spent over like 1500 bucks in tickets or almost two grand. <laughs> and I haven't seen a W, you know, it's like, Jesus. Been there. So, Been there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been good. Uh, Russ, how are you enjoying the, the pub that the Chargers are getting for perhaps a new coach? I know Harbaugh interviewed there yeah. uh, and everything. We, I brought up variable to you on Twitter. What's the vibe around the Chargers fans out there in LA right now? It seems like it's Harbaugh or bust. And I kind of don't blame a lot of Charger fans with everybody, everything that's been going on in the organization the last few years. They just, they need a leader. They need a leader in the room, and Harbaugh is most definitely that with what he did with Michigan, what he's done with San Francisco before that. So he's proven it at all levels, uh, and I think not just like his football mind is what will be good, but his leadership because I feel like if he's able to go and be a coach wherever he goes, he'll bring the talent along with him, whether it be a good offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. So, yeah, it certainly seems like it's Harbaugh or bust out here, and when I'm kind of on board. Yeah, I think we. I think they do need a guy. And listening to a lot of podcasts, it's kind of tough because all the major head coaches that are there are more defensive guys. I mean, obviously Harbaugh played quarterback, but um, you know, with uh, with uh, Belichick and Vrabel are defensive guys there. Uh, you kind of would like them to bring in an offensive minded head coach to help uh, with the quarterback and everything like that. So we'll see how that works out. But they need somebody. They need a change. They, their culture seems to be non-existent over there. So that's something big that they need. Very bad culture before <laughs> during the Staley era. Yeah, so ready for change. So let's uh let's get going here. Hold nine two, come in and say what's up, Joe, Russ, and Rando. What's up there, Holden? Uh, Kings rule coming here. Hello guys, I'm glad I saw you guys were doing a show. Glad you came in to listen, Johnny Utah. Bring up Hellenius, a little Hellenius love. Um, so let's get into it here. Recent struggles, obviously, uh, we saw a win. Uh, with uh, Russ going, uh, well, Russ, no, you you went live for the the, the game before right? Red Wings game, yeah, which was fun. <laughs> so we, we saw a lot with Joe and I saw a lot, and uh, so it's uh, you know, maybe we should stop doing live shows if we keep losing our first <laughs> streak. Our streak last year was undefeated, yeah, and right? This we year... were undefeated last year, <laughs> so. Let's uh let's let's get, talk about the recent struggles. Obviously, the loss uh it you know wasn't even close um to uh and uh, to uh, Dallas in the uh uh five one out out there. We beat Carolina. Now coming back home, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. No cohesiveness. No really consistency. The offense that we thought could come back from any insurmountable lead doesn't seem to be existent uh, with this team. Like where where's your pulse on this team right now after after this losing streak here? Oh man, uh, I feel like in terms of the group in general, I 
think it's still pretty positive considering everything that's gone on the last few weeks. It's, it's so strange. It's just been a strange few weeks. I mean, Kings obviously fly out of the gates with that road, with the road uh, win streak. Everything was looking great. And you had the game uh, in New York against the Islanders. That seemed to be the the point everyone's uh, kind of looking at as being this the start of this downfall. But, man, I mean, as much as it sounds like an excuse, you look at all the analytics, I mean, they're still right there. I mean, expected goal share. Uh, it's just been like one, I don't want to say fluke, but one fluke loss after another, I want to say, even even last night, like you kind of look at how that game went on. Jake Ottinger was just Jake Ottinger for the first like 40 minutes of the game until maybe the third period when it really got out of hand. I mean, it was 2-1 at one point, and Jake Ottinger was making saves to keep it a a one-goal lead for the Stars for quite a while, and the Kings definitely had their chances. So, I mean, considering what they were going through, the the long road trip, the back-to-back after a, a really kind of an emotional win in Carolina before that, it, it certainly felt like they kind of uh, ran out of gas uh, in the third period there last night. So, but man, I mean, just the road trip in general, is just, you look at some of the plays just to kind of recap. I mean, I, I think back to like the Florida game, like imagine if Pierre-Luc Dubois had scored that overtime winner. Mm-hmm. Just the men, the, the whole mentality of the fan base, the how how that road trip would have shaped up for th- to be that type of player to win that game with everything that had gone on, and then of course it just rings off the post. <laughs> That's kind of kind of a microcosm of the entire road trip. I feel like just that play, just to have a player microcosm of his that, season too, and of his season too. Like <laughs> it's just to have that player be in that be put in that position to end the end the win this streak to put his name out there as a game winner with a game winning goal. And man, I mean, to see once that didn't go in, I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is a loss. And sure enough, Reinhardt wins at 0.7 seconds left. So I don't know. The, the road trip is just, I'm glad it's over. Hmm. Thursday has that must win feel just by, with everything that's going on. It's not a must win game, but it certainly has that feel in my book. Joe, is there, is there any specific player? I obviously, Last night's game, we and we talked about it before the, the the pod came on. I mean, they were shuffling D pairs left and right. Clark played most of his time with Mikey Anderson. Uh, we have a Mikey Anderson question there by Holden. I will get there in a second. Uh, but is the shuffling of the lines? Is this just kind of get like any T Mac trying to get any sort of hope or continuity going into the homestand? Or uh, how do you feel about the the back half there where they were starting to kind of put people people everywhere in the back end? I think anytime you're you're shuffling lines up, you're just searching. You're searching to get a spark. You're searching to get something. When it comes to the back end, I'd be curious your guys' thoughts on this. Um, but I, it seems like they really shuffle it around even more so when Clark has been in in the three games he's been in. I interpret that to be there's a there's a still a, a hesitation. I guess you could call that a lack of trust from McClellan and or Yanni to really lean into Clark and just give him a set pair to run with. The other side of that is maybe they just want to try him out with a few different guys and see what fits, see what works, you know, which I don't think that that's a terrible idea. Anyways, I still go back to the article that I wrote, which like, why did they do this? What's the point? They were, 
their D was fine. Like I love the idea of obviously we all do Clark coming up and playing, but if they're not going to utilize him in the way that we certainly think we should be utilized, what is the point? Because they're sitting one of their best defensemen for the last three of the last 10 games. And it's just mind boggling. So um, I think part of that random could be a lack of trust in the coaching staff with how much they're moving the D around, or it could just simply be, they're trying to find what pairing works for Clark or like you see with forwards, like the D, the D has not been very good lately. So I want to, you know, Russ had touched on a lot of the, the, you know, the expected goal share. And yeah, and for the season, this team is still top two in expected goals, expected goals for per 60, their top five and expected goals against per 60. So they're still really good. But when you do look at these last 10 games, there's a lot that's going wrong. And I know they're not scoring, be they have the 31st, shooting percentage in the NHL, but they're eight. They're still top 10 in goals, expected goals four per 60. So they are still kind of creating some chances. The problem is they're 28th in expected goals against per 60. So there's definite issues, not to say solely on the blue line, but just in the D zone, clearly some things are going awry there because they're, they're not creating much less, at least in terms of expected goals and in, in the way natural stat trick tracks them. Um, again, there's there's different private models that may speak otherwise. But, um, you know, you look at these last 10 games, they're having a real hard time in their own zone. They're not scoring any goals, and they have the 30th save percentage in the NHL. All of those numbers are five on five uh, when adjusted for score. So it's like, you know, that you, you, you put that combination together, you're going to have a one, five and four stretch. Um, and that happens, I guess, you know, you'd asked to Randon about the pulse. I generally think teams go through this. Uh, I'm still not like looking for, I, I don't think I'm sure we'll talk about the coach. I don't know that there's a, a need to have him fired or anything like that right now. A lot of teams go through this. A lot of good teams go through this. A lot of cup winning teams go through stretches, 10 game stretches where it's a struggle. It's, it's how you come out of it, assuming you come out of it, you know, relatively soon here and that it doesn't happen again. You know, the, and the good thing is, is like they did pick up four points. Not a lot of times in a 10 game stretch like this, you get to pick up points and at least they've managed that to at least salvage something. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely trying times though. It's definitely, Definitely struggling times. There's, there's no doubt about that. So we're at the midway point of the season. You got 41 games, 50 points. Um, so I mean, they're on pace for for triple digits, which you know, if you say that at the beginning of the season, wouldn't be something that I think I think would be something that the, every Kings fan would take. Russ, I mean, is or is there anything positive to take away from this road trip? Is it a play of a player? Is it something that you've seen that maybe they can build upon and, and turn things around? Uh, no, <laughs> that, that's what's so frustrating. Is, I was wondering where you're going to say that. I had, oh, yeah, yeah, you watch, you watch this uh, road trip and it's like, yeah, you could point to like bad luck, shooting percentage, PDO, expected goal share and all that stuff. And that's why I like, I kind of, I get so mad at myself by rattling off those numbers, but it's like when you're trying to analyze the recent stretch, like we're, we're trying to do. I mean, that's what makes it so frustrating, probably even more so if you're the coach. I mean, because this is a lot of stuff that we had kind of been talking about last year when you had all these individual mistakes that would pop up. And it wouldn't just be like you're being outplayed throughout the entire game like we had seen 
at certain points. I think the only real game I can remember they were being outplayed, some of the Detroit game, probably probably the Detroit game, but the, and then the Toronto game. Besides that, they've been in all these games. They've had help leads in most of these games. So when you're not able to come out of some of those games with wins or let alone points, that's what gets so frustrating and you can't really point have a point figure on it. So to say that there's anything positive, I mean, Kevin Fiala is looking pretty good. That's kind of continued. Trevor Morris continued to score. I guess the one real positive area to keep talk we can keep talking about is the penalty kill because out of everything that's continued that that's like kind of taken this dip, power play struggled, five on five scoring has obviously struggled, goaltending, finishing. The penalty kill's been great all throughout the year. So to see that kind of continue, I guess that's the one positive we'll take. I will say of their last 11 games. Well, actually, wait, let me let me rephrase that. So, you know, there, there's the performance just it, it hasn't been good. And I actually think they have been outplayed at least more so than normal. Five of their lowest expected goals for percentages on the season, like in an individual game, have come in these last 11 games, five of them. So it's partly puck luck, right? It's partly goals aren't going in. It's partly, you know, Talbot's not making as many saves as he was before. He's not been bad, but he's not the all-star caliber that he was before. But this is also a team that is, they're they're not playing as good. As I mentioned before about the expected goals against, there's a problem there. Um, so I, I, I don't think they're getting like, badly outplayed in these games by any means, but there, there's certainly, there's an issue there. There, there are certainly struggles right now um, that, that point to they're not con- in control of games the way they were the first, you know, half of the season to date. It just seems like, you know, sometimes teams like have small cogs like go wrong in, in the mm-hmm. games like, oh, okay, that game just weren't as sharp, but they, they would still pull out wins. Like you're not seeing that from the Kings on this road trip where, they don't play their best hockey, but they still win the game. They're just getting beat every single time. Um, and wh- whether it's whether it's the the like all, all the stuff that you guys been saying, the puck luck and everything like that, usually good teams find ways to win a few of those games rather than just one. I mean, I, I think it it bodes to where obviously the team can be hot. We saw it in the beginning of the season, and like I said, fifty points is nothing to to laugh at, but. Most of the teams, like some team, I don't, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know the data, but it seems like teams like Boston, like the good Boston teams, the good those types teams, don't have skids like this. They're just, you know, they have a little less hills and valleys. It's more, you know, instead of mountains. You know what I mean? So, I don't know if I'm just reading into that. You know, you guys watch a whole lot more hockey, but from other teams than I do, but it seems like this was a, a one of the worst dips that I've seen in a while for a team that is good as we are. I mean, look at. The top three, or I mean, three of the top West uh, teams in the Pacific Division, Edmonton, started in a total valley, fired their coach, and look at them. They're on a peak, setting franchise record, win streak. Uh, Vegas started off great. They were what? People were talking about how they didn't have that. What's the what's Stanley Cup hangover? I think they, they had like one regulation uh, loss in like the first 12 games or something like that. And now they're on a, a struggle, kind of similar to the Kings. So... And the Kings, obviously, with their kind of peaks and valleys through through the first half of the season. So, I mean, all three teams are going through it. And, like, I think it was Joe it's like that said, I mean, it's how you come out of it. And that's why I mentioned, like, 
man, Thursday, it feels like really such an important game for to have that like excuse like, okay, well, the road trip's over. Let's just forget yeah. about it. You're playing against a team like Nashville, who's not necessarily considered a contender and not even really in your in your own division. So it's, you don't have that excuse either. So, I mean, to come back home on Thursday after the long, grueling trip, I mean, sure, Luxot's injured, which, which will definitely hamper the lineup a little bit. But, man, this – I mean, because I just, I just imagine if you don't win that game on Thursday and then you all of a sudden you have New York at home on Saturday, eesh, pressure's so, on at that point. It's a tough schedule, right? I mean, you play – Saturday, then a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, and then they have to travel. Now, granted, it was in Dallas. It wasn't like they were coming from New York, but still. That, then you got to travel out west again. That, tomorrow's tough. You know, the Thursday game is going to be tough just from a schedule standpoint. But yeah, you got a team you're better than. Um, and I would say, hey, UC Saros is not playing that well this year, so you want to try to take advantage of that, assuming he starts as, as much as you can. Um, I would say. I don't think this is must win for the Kings, but we're, we may be, I have not been on and I am not on the fire Todd train for the record, but like at some point we're getting going to, we're going to get closer to like, you better get a win because somebody takes a fall for, for massive losing streaks like this with a team with expectations. And it, it, it inevitably will be the coach. Um, So, I'm not going to say that tomorrow, you know, Nashville's a must win for McClellan, but at some point, if this continues, like there's going to be a lot of cameras pointed his way. I think it's just, uh, I think it's something to look at because I think it is almost a must win game from a tone standpoint. Yeah. I, I forget who we played earlier in the month, but they were riding a losing streak too. And their announcers were saying, you know, like this is a win game. And I think they set their franchise record on the season for block shots. Like you just saw so much effort and and really just trying to do everything they could to keep out goals. And you look at the one three one system and our defensive system and how we stop good chances, that comes from discipline. And like when a team needs to win a game, they need to really look inside. And part of discipline is doing the hard things even when even when you don't really have to. And so when everything's going right, it's easy to say, Hey, we're a five one, we can, you know. You know, let's it's it's fun playing defense. It's not fun playing defense when you're losing games. And so, you know, like those types of things where all those adages like, you know, get yourself up from the bootstraps and stuff like that. I think it's just it's necessary for Thursday. I mean, I, I know the I know one, the fans don't like to see the losing. I know that the, this Kings team believes they are a Stanley Cup caliber team and they don't like losing. But at some point, you know, I know Kopitar's not a rah-rah guy. I know a lot of them are lead by example guys, but it might be time for uh, one of the more vocal leaders on the team to, to get, get in there and have a locker room only type meeting that, and, yeah. and, and set some things straight for this homestand. Stuff like that could be happening. You know, there, there, there could be meetings. We're not in that room. And I, 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 I don't want to go too much into that just because there's, there could be, there could be meetings of such that, that are happening. There could be, you know, stuff like that happening. We just, we just don't know. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I would agree that, that this is a key time for the leadership group to make sure that things stay intact and nothing kind of goes awry here uh, any more than it has from a record standpoint. You want to keep the vibes as, as positive as they can be during, during a stretch like this. Amber N coming in here. Condolences for last night, but keeping the faith 
uh, with a nineteen and ninety nine donation. Thank you, Amber. That'll uh, that'll tabs. plug in a little bit uh, to the the beer tab that I racked up last <laughs> night at at the at the venue. Uh, so you know, really appreciate that, Amber. Thank you again for for. How are the how are here. the concession stand prices in, in Dallas? Uh, I mean, beer ten, double ten, digits, yeah. Kind of similar. I get most of the league there. Um, I think, and I read an article, and I don't know if I saw this. Uh, I think it was maybe it was just a headline. I don't think I read the full article, but Dallas is like one of the top five and in, in inflation prices over the last year. So, I mean, you're definitely seeing it a lot of the meals and a lot of the beers outside the the stadium. I mean, I paid. They just opened a taco spot down the street from where I live. And it's like I paid over ten dollars for a Modelo. You know, it's like holy crap! Like this <laughs> seems like L.A. or New York prices there. I mean, it's not everywhere like that, but uh, it's definitely not as high as crypto. I tell you that, like over twenty dollars a beer there. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot but, of disappointed cowboy fans there. Oh, it's great! Oh, I love, <laughs> I'm sure Joe's in love with that. Actually, I, I was love very watching happy. the. Love watching the King. You guys are both kind of anti-cowboy. I mean, you're a Niner fan. You're a Giants fan. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, the kingdom <laughs> is burning out here. They're they're like, oh, you know, let's let's fire let's fire Dak. Let's fire this. Let's fire that person. Philly's uh, uh, going through Trey it. Lance. Joe's, yeah. Joe's having a great week in football. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, let's get to uh, uh, some questions here. Uh, I'll start with CJ. How uh, Randon? How is Clark live? You know, obviously. The conductor over here had to enjoy watching Clark. <laughs> um, some things I noticed is, like I said, obviously the shuffling of the deep pairs. They were trying to set him up for a lot of offensive plays in the offensive zone faceoff. So, uh, you know, during TV timeouts or whatever, or as that full group was coming on the ice to take the faceoff, they were talking and trying to run plays. And I, and I assume that happens most times, but they were all the faceoff guys were talking to Clark every single time they're coming on here. This is what I'm trying to do to set him up. Kopitar got kicked out of the circle. They brought in Byfield, and then Clark switched with Mikey Anderson because Byfield was going to go for a different style draw play. So I thought it was really cool. They were trying to set the kid up, get him going. Um, you definitely saw the good with the bad. I mean, he turned around to go and, and try to catch a guy on the side, and the guy, he got burned uh, pretty bad. Luckily, he got cut him off at the last part, and the guy had to do a wraparound, and he got some help. Uh, but then I was telling Joe, like, he had, like, three, I think, controlled injury, uh, uh entries into the zone that I remember and you saw one him try to make like a saucer pass like 40 feet uh, through three guys and like if it was just a little high on I think it was Trevor Morris tape but you're you're talking about a sauce pass to a one-timer on a, on a breakout from a, a, a kid like he's just not afraid to try anything so even though it doesn't seem like he's fully got his confidence like he maybe does in the AHL he's still not afraid to try things like I think he's still being Clark. I just don't think that he's been given the full reins, you know, and that, you know, as they say on the other guys, you know, he's a, he's a peacock. You got to let him fly, Like you got to let him do that kind of stuff. And so it was, it was nice to see uh, that, that type of effort from him, you know, and the, the vision that it takes. I was hoping to see a goal, you know, and I told him, I think I, think I told him, one of all the fans were asking me to, you know, to down beers and send videotapes or whatever he scores, <laughs> which would have been done, uh, but it didn't end up happening. So hold the 92 coming in here. What do you think is going on with Mikey? He's been looking really rough lately. Uh, that's even going back before the slump of the Kings. What do you guys think of Mikey Anderson's season so far, you know, at the halfway point? Um, do you think it's been rougher than normal? Do you think that the deep air with him and Dowdy has been less than stellar? Like, what's kind of your thought process on him? 
so far this season? I think Mikey started off pretty well. I mean, that that pairing played pretty well to start the year. I think to start the road trip or to start this kind of downfall, like I mentioned from the Islander game, it certainly seems like those two have definitely struggled. Dowdy's been a little bit more up and down than Mikey, but Mikey, yeah, I mean, he's kind of taking a a little bit more of a downturn than uh, Dowdy on that top pair. And we saw it last night where McClellan was shuffling the defensive pairs and he had Mikey Anderson with Brent Clark for, I think, Joe, you had the, the minutes on that, didn't you? Uh, seven minutes, I think they played together at five on five. Yeah, a little yeah, over seven, seven minutes. Or so. Yeah, and I, I think Dowdy played with England like nine minutes. So I don't know what's going on with Mikey. It's hard to pinpoint. I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't, I'm not saying like, Send like put him lower in the lineup. Like I wouldn't say break up Dowdy and Clark or Dowdy and Anderson at this point. Uh, but I don't know. It's just an, another player who's kind of struggled a lot more recently as opposed to what we've seen in the past from that type of player. Joe, does it kind of we does it kind of make you nervous about his contract now? I mean that he got that long term deal after. A couple of clutch seasons, obviously, recency bias with him playing well in the playoffs both years. Like, does that kind of bother you? Like, if Dowdy leaves, is he able to carry a top pair uh, with an, a different offensive defenseman? Is he more end up being a second pair type guy? Like, how do you feel about him in that contract right now? Well, well to be clear, and I think I've said this on the pod for three years now, Mikey Anderson is not an NHL LD1 in my opinion. He's the LA Kings LD1. The pair with Dowdy has worked really well. Mikey Anderson is probably best suited for like that kind of middle pair, right? So I don't think he would be expected to. I don't think he's a top pair D-man. I just think that pairing with Dowdy worked so well. Now you look at the things that Anderson does do quite well. He's, as every left defenseman in the Kings, really good at stopping and defending entries coming into the zone. Mikey Anderson is also kind of underrated in terms of getting the puck into the offensive zone. He leads the Kings defenseman in terms of uh, controlled entry percentage, which probably would surprise some people given a, a, a blue line that has had, you know, Jordan Spence on it uh, and Drew Dowdy on it. But Mikey Anderson actually is very good in terms of controlling both blue lines. So in terms of the contract, no, I'm not worried. You know why? They didn't pay him top pair. They paid him what he's value is, what foreign change, which – that's about right. So I think he can comfortably um, play to that and probably then some um, through the duration of the contract. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about it because they didn't overpay him. I think they did make a lengthy commitment in term, which I always get nervous about. I don't like term, but he's 24 years old. So no, I'm not concerned. I think again, because of the number, if you have the proper high-end RD1, he can complement that guy. If not, then he slides down the lineup, and it doesn't hurt you to have that salary down in the lineup. So I think I think his number's fine. I got no no problem with it. Russ Carter coming in here. Is Gavrikov playing hurt maybe? Maybe Kopitar too? I know the Kings are very close to the vest with their injury news. I mean, we had to get the, the Copley – ACL news after he already posted it on Instagram about his <laughs> knee brace. So um, obviously hockey players play with nagging stuff all season long. It's a, it's a brutal game, lots of hits and everything like that. Have you 
seen or heard anything around the locker room about any, you know, nagging injuries that people are playing through or, or anything like that with in regards to Gavrikov and Kopitar? Uh, no, I haven't heard anything, seen anything. I mean, to suggest one of them are playing hurt, I mean, they could be. I mean, but to suggest it would probably just be more speculation yeah. at this point. So, I don't know. I think more or less it, it could just be an excuse for poor play. Yeah. Uh, and if the players would probably even say it too. I mean, you can't you can't just say, oh yeah, they're going, they're playing worse, so they must be hurt. Like, no, I mean, some at some point they're just playing worse. So, I think it's just as simple as that. So let's get into uh, let's get into this next uh, topic here. Um, I, I brought it up a little bit in the last game. He's played a couple games since being up. What have you guys think seen about Clark's play? Obviously, you already mentioned Joe that you don't like the, his usage of the in and out, in and out. Uh, do you think his time with the Kings is done for the for this season so far? When they come back home, kind of just give me an overview of what you think there is. Oh, uh, man, I mean, I. First of all, I just I, I loved what Brian Clark was doing. I, I would have liked to see them give more offensive zone opportunities because, and you mentioned you mentioned they were trying to give him as many as they could in Dallas. And I did notice that, but I, I think in the Washington game, it was really just kind of he was really they were holding him back from a lot more opportunities 100%. than they could have given him. Uh, I don't know in certain situations like that, like it was kind of strange that they had him paired with uh, Mikey Anderson. I didn't mind it. But as far as the his individual play, I thought he was really really good. Confidence was there. It's never going to be never going to be lacking with Brandon Clark. So that's good to see. And I thought he was still making the type of plays that you could see him making in the AHL. But as far as his future, I mean, at least for this year, in my opinion, I think you just have to send him back down. That's, I mean, because if, if they're not willing to figure out a way to utilize Brandon Clark and Jordan Spence in the same lineup, and your only option is to pull Brent or Jordan Spence and kind of switch them out every other game or so, that's a terrible strategy. You are losing, and Joe said it on end, you're losing probably your best, one of your best defensive players and one of your best offensive producers from the blue line if you're doing that. And to have that be your strategy just makes no sense, especially for two young players that probably should be playing more than watching games from the press box. So I, I would actually not be surprised if they ended up did doing it, just sending Brent Clark back down to the AHL. And I think that would be the best option for him just to kind of get more minutes and play top uh, pair minutes for the rain for the time being. And then you give Spence a little bit more freedom to do what he's been doing throughout the entire season. Yeah, I I totally agree with your Washington assessment too. It's funny. I, I yeah, I tweeted yesterday about how I'd only tracked two of his three games to date, and he was like second on the team in controlled entries and first among defensemen, first in in shot assists. So like he was doing what basically what I'm looking for is he doing the things that he's here for. Like is he, what is he doing? And so I finally tracked the Washington game. It was all. Gain the red line, get it deep. Gain the red line, get it deep. Of his seven entries, six of them were dump ins. So he did, which he's now no longer anywhere near the top of the controlled entry percentage for defensemen. But I think that's because he was probably playing very safe. I think he there is a little bit of a leash on him from the looks of it. At least that's like to me, I look at that and I see a player that's thinking. I see the player that's like, I don't want to make a mistake, make the right play. 
if I see a moment, Randy said there was a couple times in Dallas, I see a chance to maybe try to make a play fine, but don't go crazy with it and try to stay kind of, you know, safe. And if that's the case, okay, again, I just, just get him back to Ontario. Um, the fact that Jordan Spence is coming out of this lineup is mind boggling. It is, it is ludicrous to me for how good he's been this season in a, in third pair minutes. I think it's absolutely crazy. The fact that he's coming out of the lineup and I don't understand where the logic for that is other than while he's young and we're going to rotate two young guys. Now that's not acceptable to me. I don't buy that at all. Um, so if you are not comfortable handing reins to Brant Clark, I, I understand that I can, I may not agree with it, but I get it right. They got, they're trying to work within their system, work within their structure. And if that's not going to fit, and if it's going to come at the expense of Jordan Spence, then Clark's got to go. He's got to go back to Ontario and just let him play because this was nonsense taking Jordan Spence out of the lineup for how good I think that he's been. Um, so I would say that it seemed in the three games, which you know obviously isn't a ton, he seems to be relatively safe, um, trying not to make too many mistakes, which is not how I want Brant Clark to play. I want him to play risky. Um, but that said, like he he's kind of doing what you hoped he was doing. So um, I had him for a shot assist per 60. He is first among defensemen uh, after these three games. So, again, obviously severely limited ice time and severely limited sample size. But just to show that he's got nine shot assists in the three games. Like, okay, so he's, when he's in the offensive zone, he's trying to make something happen. And, and that's the goal. Like that's what you're hoping for more of that that type of stuff i want to ask you guys this real quick and lieb will appreciate this i see him active in the chat so shout out to you lieb but all these changes especially these this last game against dallas where we saw a lot of interchanging between defensemen <laughs> and trying to figure out where to play play brand clark are you getting the sense that rob blake may be shopping matt roy I'm kind of getting that feeling with this kind of utilization of trying to figure out where to play Spence and Clark, because if you're really using this strategy, because like that's this, that's really my only reasoning for to, to take out a player like Jordan Spence when he's been performing so well, he's, we have the metrics to back it up. They're looking at the same metrics as we are. So to have that strategy, you're not going to pull out Matt Roy and try to see what they're both going to do in the lineup. Cause you obviously he's one of the better players and they don't seem real too keen of moving one of those righties to the left side, even though <clears throat> said it might not happen at some point, but I don't know. I, it, it certainly feels like, I mean, for, in my opinion, I think that I think the team would be worse off if they did trade Matt Roy and I don't think they should, but just by everything that's been kind of going on these last few games and what we've heard from the coaching staff on how they're trying to get Clark and Jordan Spence into the lineup, you would think maybe Matt Roy might be on the outs come trade deadline. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Rand, and I'll ask you that question first. Yeah. from So from a management standpoint, I was talking to a couple of people on Twitter about it. Like there's a lot of people like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to let Roy go for nothing, right? If it's next year or whatever, and you're assuming that Spence and and Clark are going to be full-timers. You don't want to let him go for nothing. So you might as well trade him, maybe get a better piece on the left or, or, or just open up some cap space or do this kind of thing. But like 
this team isn't playing for next year. This team is playing for this year. And I think the team is incredibly worse on the back end without Matt Roy. So, you know, I understand Clark's usage and maybe not playing him on the left and, and let him be on the side that he's accustomed to, to being on. But as far as trading Roy to make room, I mean, they might be seeing what it looks like next season to see if they need to re-sign him instead of maybe maybe it's not a deadline thing. Maybe it's like, okay, well, let's kind of shuffle it up and see if we can catch gold. And, you know, I mean, I guess if if let's just play crystal ball in, in the best positive outlook. What if what if Clark came up and he had four points in the four three games that he played? Mm-hmm. Then you might be thinking be thinking about trading Roy because then you you think you have a guy in Clark who's already playing at an NHL level and, and can go forward. So I don't know if they're actively looking to shop Roy, but I do think it's a trying to see what we have in a guy like uh, a guy like Clark and maybe where he fits on that team. Cause you would assume that you want him to be RD one in two seasons, right? When he's starting to get his prime at 22, 23 years old. So I guess yeah. where does that fit and how does his game and where is that trajectory? Um, you know, I, I think GMs and head coaches are always trying to tinker in that aspect. Joe, before before we go to you, I just want to say the one another reason I, I thought about this is because in that first game that they had Clark up, he was playing with Gavrikov, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty strange. And then the next few games they had it with England. And then <laughs> And that, I think in between that game, then they had him with Anderson. So, I mean, he's played with everybody. I think Randy mm-hmm. mentioned that. He's played with every lefty. So, what do you think in that? I, I I really just would be surprised if Matt Roy is traded. I, I really would because he is he's arguably the best defensive defenseman on the team, I think. Um, I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just a rock there. So, I would be surprised only because – it would be a total shift in style, right? With with Clark. So in this scenario, in this question, would be Clark. I would imagine re- replacing Matt Roy or Spence moving up. But either way, you now have Spence and Clark both on the right side. That is a drastically different right side. And I still maintain. And Randon, I think, kind of alluded to it earlier. Like I acknowledge that I still have some uncertainty about Clark going back on a puck on a retrieval where Matt Roy does a really nice job of that, I would say. So I don't know. I, I, I do think it's the Kings trying to sort of figure out what they have and maybe looking at it that way in an assessment. I don't know if I'm expecting them to, if I don't know if I tie that to Matt Roy could be out because I, I just don't see how, that makes your team better. Now, now, if the Kings continue this free fall and come deadline time, the Kings are on the outside looking in. Now, maybe that's a situation where the Kings and Blake could say, well, we got Clark and Spence. We can just play them both anyways. Maybe we see what we can get for Roy because if the if the intent is not to bring him back, then maybe that's a, a, a situation that comes up. But if you're talking about a team that's third in the division or second in the division, or maybe or even in the wild card, you know, this is a team with Matt Roy that can 
you know, win a playoff round. I mean, obviously it depends. I mean, and I'm all for, I think everybody knows I'm all for, give me, give me as much offense as you can. Give me as much in terms from as far as skating and skating defensemen as you can. Um, Matt Roy ain't the one I'm moving out though. I, I, I would rather keep him, try to make a run in playoffs and risk losing him in the off season, frankly, um, than trade him at the risk that the blue line takes a, a significant hit. Now, who knows? It depends what they trade him for, of course, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that that in that scenario, but I, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I I'm not there. I'm, I see the logic, but I'm not there. Yeah, it'd have to be like a actual like hockey trade. That's what makes it so tough, and it's so hard to find those type of yes. teams to to negotiate with, right? Because you're trading a player who's on an expiring deal and yep. you're hoping to get some quality NHL talent back if you're the Kings. Yeah. So, I mean, Rob Blake would certainly have to do have his work cut out from there, but I mean, in my opinion, I just, I view Matt Roy as the rental, as the trade deadline rental. You kind of look at it that way. Cause so you can, all the pieces that you could possibly get, maybe future assets that you could get in a Matt Roy trade. Let's say if the Kings weren't in the playoffs, you would, hundred percent be traded because because he's an expiring expiring contract so mm-hmm. some of that future assets you can get in a deal for matt roy just imagine you're utilizing those assets uh to keep him for the rest of the team so i view him as a rental for this team and i agree like i think if this team is would be worse off without matt roy in the lineup but i can see the argument to kind of look to see what you can get out outside the organization i i get i get the logic like Blake should be fielding phone calls like there's no reason for him to like yeah hang on, the phone on gms but like yeah. it's just hard for me to imagine matt roy being a player that brings a lot back that helped the kings right now because he is an expiring contract he's going to be 29 at this sometime next season or almost so, there. so this isn't he needs a contract like you said russ this he's he's a good fit for like a hockey trade type of thing but I don't know that we're going to see a lot of uh, it. it Maybe it just, I I don't think you see too many trades involving a player of that caliber that is a hockey trade. It's usually kind of a a selling team to a buying team. So I have no interest in trading Roy for futures. You know, if, if I saw somebody, I think it was uh, uh, Kevin Sauer here in the chat that said, go to, you know, trade Roy to Minnesota for, for Jake Middleton, lefty. And then, you know, knock England out to seventh defenseman and, and get Spence. Yeah. That like, that's a hockey trade. Why does Minnesota do that? Right. Like it, it's, this is where it gets tricky because then you got to figure the team that you're sending him to, you're going to have to add to Matt Roy. If, because you have to add prospects, picks, whatever the case may be, because who's going to want, uh, uh, I don't want to say aging because he's under 30, but like a high 20s defenseman who needs a contract. I, I, I don't know how attractive that is to it. I, I don't know. That's a, that's that's tough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a really tricky one, which is why I'd, I'd be Just, surprised to see something happen. But maybe. I'm ready for those uh, asset management tweets when he gets signed by someone else in the summer. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what? I mean, but that's but, the thing. But, is like I don't, I don't understand that because he, like, he was a seventh round pick. I would yeah. I would say you got great. Please, no, not ridiculous. Not. But also, you got to remember the context. If the if the Kings are in the top three in the division or in a playoff spot, 
you can't. It's not reasonable to expect them to trade him. I, I, I don't think. Again, assuming the trade is for like futures, I, I don't know. Like what future are you getting? Maybe a second. By the, you can probably get a first for him. To be honest with you, like a high, high first. But even then, like that, like what Joe said, like we're not looking for futures here. Because here's the thing: you're trading him to. You, what what you, you're going to cut in half your potential people you're trading him to because you're not going to trade him to the West because you're probably going to see him in playoffs because only a contender is going to buy him. So then you're going to go to the East. So that now limits your your potential bidders to only a handful of teams because not all of them, A, can afford him and not all of them need a right shot D. So you're talking about really limiting. So unless there's a hockey trade to be made, I, I don't know. Be cool if there is a hockey trade. We don't see enough hockey trades. I I would love it. I hope there is, but I just try to try to police Toronto again. Hey, maybe uh, get like a David Perron from Detroit for Matt Roy. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out there. I I I, I love Foley. it. I love it. I think I would rather go. I would. I like. I like. Um, God, Lefty. I, I'm sorry. Yes, I forget his name already. He's Kevin Sauer. I think it was. Sorry, Kevin. If that's who it was. I, I kind of like that idea better, um, I think, but not opposed to something like that. Russ, just rambling right. names, but like I mean, like middle six forward, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you brought up Roy. I mean, and I know, I mean, there's a lot of forwards in the in the system, and there's got to be some RFA assets as well on the Ford uh, blend that they could maybe pair with Roy if they really wanted to do something like that yeah. and try to just free up some. From space, mm-hmm. obviously, Laferriere making the team kind of probably threw a wrench in their plans and a good wrench at that. But as far as the pecking order and the forward group, uh, you know, you would assume that they probably had plans to play Turcotte of, of several games up here this season. You know, Fagimo out, out of out of camp and Laferriere kind of threw a wrench in that uh, that aspect. Of it's a good it. wrench, so, though. It's a, it's a shiny, brand new. Black and Decker wrench. Who makes who makes? <laughs> Let's get into our sponsor here uh, for us here at Hockey Royalty, which is our friends here at DraftKings. Uh, we all know hockey games move fast, but DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet just five bucks and get two hundred in, uh, two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Obviously, the goal differential odds for tomorrow's game is going to be one and a half. So if you want if you want to favor the Kings to uh, set the tone here on this homestand, you can do so. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now with code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks on the NHL and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. So let's get into let's get into the the Edmonton uh, elephant in the room here, obviously won 11 straight. They're on a roll. We mentioned that the Vegas Golden Knights kind of doing a downfall. I know it's not the, you know, Pacific, you know, reveal that we normally do at the beginning of the month, but I think it's a good view here in the midway part of the season, uh, at least for the Kings. Uh, if you're taking a look at the standings right now, um, Vancouver's got 62 points, not slowing down at all. Seven, two and one. In their last 10, Golden Knights at 55, 4, and 6 in their last 10. Kings at 50, 1, 5, and 4. And the Oilers uh, have won 10 straight. And the Flames aren't too far behind at 7 and 3. And the Kraken are 8 in their, of their last, uh, 1, 8 of the last 10 at 47 points apiece there. So most of the Pacific is heating up. <laughs> Kings are heating down. Where, 
Where where does this look at here for you? Obviously, Kings can turn it around at any moment, but the Pacific looks a whole lot scarier uh, at the, this moment of the season after that losing streak. I think the Pacific is just looking like what we kind of expected it to look at look like now. Uh, the Oilers are just doing. I, I don't know why this is so surprising to everybody. I mean, everybody was talking about other kind of like what the Kings are kind of going through right now. I mean, everyone was talking about how the Oilers just weren't finishing. I mean, they weren't their goals uh, for above expected was like last in the league. They were still getting their chances. They were like first in expected goal share. They weren't really getting the saves, obviously. So there's a lot of the similar similarities that the Kings kind of went through last year uh, with their goaltending issues. So, I mean, you look at Edmonton. It's not, it's not like the – I don't – I mean, I don't think, but it's not like the coaching – the new coaching staff came in and, like, changed a bunch of systems. Just all those pucks are going in now, and they're making saves. So you have a team that had high expectations coming in this year who is now just playing up to what everybody expected them to be. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't expect them to win 20 straight or set, I didn't expect them to win set franchise records. But, I mean, I'd have to look back. But I would think I think most of us or a couple of us picked the Oilers to come in first. Or actually, I picked the Kings to win first. But I think Joe, I, you I, may have. I picked yeah. the Oilers to go first in division. Yeah. 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 So, I think this is – I mean, we, we picked five uh, teams to go to the playoffs to come out of the Pacific. So, you kind of look at how everything's shaping up. It's certainly looking to be the case especially with how bad some of the central teams are kind yeah. of playing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we said on the show, like who's going to be surprised when Edmonton does what LA does and goes on an 11 and three run or whatever the Kings record was at the time, 14 and three, like. Damn it, Joe. Remember, remember McDavid was hurt too. He was not healthy. He was playing through it. And so the, the difference is, I don't know. This is maybe a little unfair, but see where it goes let's just see where this goes like the difference with Edmonton you where you could feel so confident that like okay eventually these pucks are going to go in because it's McDavid and Dreisaitl right and the, the Nugent Hopkins had 100 points last year even if they were on the power play they still got to go in so eventually these points were going to come like that's the one thing the Kings don't really have is that elite game breaker like Kevin Fiala is the closest thing they have to it right and and I I'm I, I'm down with Kev don't get me wrong but like they they the confidence level and the Oilers finding the back of the net on a much more regular basis I feel way more confident in that than the Kings just because the Kings they do it with depth which is great don't get me wrong but you, you want to be able to have those one or two guys that are that elite high-end talent and you know Kempe starting to it's it's coming with Kempe um at times he can be streaky but it's coming and and Kevin Fiala is a pretty consistent point producer but like nobody on the Kings would project to have 100 points maybe even 90 points right so where I'm getting at is like McDavid and Dryside are going to get theirs. They're going to get 100 points. McDavid's going to get 130 points. Like this is these are just such high end elite players that the Kings just few teams have those right. So <laughs> thank you, Lee comes in with Trevor Moore. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, obviously Trevor Moore. I'm setting aside here. He's the exception. Of course, he's the elite talent. But you see where I'm getting at. It's like the Kings do it with from a from a, a team wide approach. Like they do have excellent players like obviously Andre Kopitar is still playing at a high level I mentioned Kevin Fiala 
Adrian Kempe, you know, Moore's having a breakout. So it's not as if, uh, you know, there, there's not talent here. It's just, it's much more in the mold of we're going to get you for 200 feet type of, type of play. You know what then I mean? Joe, when they, when they were winning the cups, would you say their elite players were in goal and then drew? So even then they were, didn't have an offensive juggernaut to. Well, but the different, like, but Kopitar was like peak dominance, right. At, at, at both ends of the ice. And, and let's not, I mean, Jeff Carter was still a hell of a player, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, quick and Dowdy were, were ridiculous. Um, you know, Muzzin was back there. They had a, the depth. They had the depth and the D, not totally unlike what you see today. Um, but yeah, I mean, they 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 did it in a in a approach of like of of being strong in net. They had a, 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 an elite RD one, and then you had you what could be argued the best two way center in the game, or you know, at least the best defensive center who you know, was just so dominant that he carried, he kind of did in a lot of ways what Sidney Crosby does. Like Crosby plays with a lot of really great, good players, but not household names. And Kopitar did it in a different way. Like Crosby does by putting up a hundred points. Kopitar just carried his entire line for 200 feet. It seemed, um, I mean, him and Dustin Brown, like how many left wingers did they go through over the years before they, they never really found one, you know? So yeah, Justin yeah. Williams. Outside of that, pretty much. Right. He eventually, when he came along, and, and he played a bit. But it's like the they, it was a it was a team that that, uh, yeah, that, that's similar to this year. But I would say, you got Kopitar and Dowdy twelve years ago, so they were way more yeah. at their peaks. You know, Russ, do you think uh, looking at the Pacific and whatever it is, what we thought and all that kind of stuff like that. Does this Kings team have to, you know, get second or third or 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 this or that type of thing, or they just got to get hot at the right time? I mean, it seems like they've already been hot, and when they were, they were a juggernaut style team. Is it more about just kind of getting right in the ship and then getting things hot come April? Oh, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I really just don't want to face Edmonton in round one. So if it's second, third, wild card, anything to kind of avoid Edmonton, even though, I mean, that would really just put the Kings to the test. And having that first round win over Edmonton would certainly turn a lot of the frowns, the recent uh, playoff struggles frowns upside down. So as far as where, like, they should be finishing in the Pacific, I it's tough because I mean a lot of these teams are really good. There's some are some are struggling like the the Golden Knights and the Kings are, but I mean Edmonton doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere. I would pretty much expect them to probably be the first or second seed if they can catch Vancouver. And as much as everybody wants to run off Vancouver, I've said that probably three or four times already on this podcast. It's they're right there, and it doesn't look like they're going anywhere. So I don't know. Could be the third seed again, and might have to fight Vegas for it. And it certainly looks to be another first round game one matchup in Edmonton. Just don't play the Oilers. Just don't play. The Wouldn't that be a series though? Kings jets round one. Oh, Kings jets. Yeah. That would be a fun yeah. series, I guess. Well, that yeah, be, definitely be one for the storylines. Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. Well, speaking of storylines, there's going to be a few coming out tomorrow. Blake has a presser tomorrow to talk about the season so far. Uh, our one and only Russ is going to be there. But I, I think there's going to be some – having a presser coming off a losing streak, I think it's, you're going to get 
you should get more pressing questions, if you will, uh, than you would if the team's flying high. When the team's flying high, there's really nothing to ask, right? Like maybe what do you see bringing in to make this team better? But um, when you see cracks in the paint, uh, the questions generally should get more, uh, you know, more tough in that, in that direction. I, I mean, let's start with you, Joe. Do you think that there is stuff that Blake needs to answer for regarding to this season? Um, and then where would your questions maybe go uh, in, in your eyes? Well, yeah, he's the general manager of the team. So I think, you know, they're, they're uh, unfortunately for him, the timing of this couldn't be worse because it's coming off this just <laughs> horrible. Like, Please win. <laughs> <laughs> so it is really laughable type of thing. He's got to be like, what the f- I know I had people messaging me like saying like was this scheduled prior like is this going to be a big announcement I'm like I don't know. I, it was probably scheduled prior it's a mid season it seems like I think I forgot to mention it but it seems like more teams across the league are doing this now this mid season kind of update yeah so yeah he he does I mean I think it's very fair to you know he's again he's the general manager of the team and what in his view is the problem right now because he's going to be the one that's tasked with fixing it. Uh, be it via trade or via call up or whatever it might be like it's going to be on him to do it so you know i guess was among the questions would be where does he see the issues right now with this team is it something that is to be fixed in a trade and obviously the king's cap is going to have a lot to do with that is it something that can be fixed or is there something to be called up or a player to be called up, like for, you know, with Lazat's injury, what is that? Do you see somebody like a Alex Turcotte called up to play fourth line center? Is that something of an option? Um, you know, in terms of kind of looking forward, I think those are questions you could ask. I mean, if I'd be surprised if he doesn't get asked, because I don't know that has he been asked yet since the trade was made, like, so, so where are we with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Like, I, I'm assuming his name is going to come up tomorrow in some fashion because, you know, for better, for worse. And I know, you know, Russ and I were, were fans of the trade. And I think I won't speak for Russ, but I still am. I still am a believer in, in Dubois and kind of, you know, over the, the long term here and, and what he can do in playoffs. But obviously production wise, I think at the, at the same time, you've, if you're the GM, you know his production is going to be down if he's playing far less minutes on a third-line role, but it shouldn't be down this much. So I think there's going to be a PLD question, and I think it's fair that there is a PLD question. Um, I don't know how much they'll get into the specifics of it, and you know if anybody would compare it to Velarde and go back to the whole, hey, would Velarde, did he want to be here type of thing? Because there's a lot of those rumors about all that stuff. And But, I, I yeah, I mean, I think, Looking ahead, where does he see the problems? What's going on with the team right now? How do you fix it? Where do you fix it? And uh, I think Dubois is probably the, the the biggest question in terms of looking back at the season. Uh, and a question to Blake would be would be Dubois. I think that's fair. Yeah, I actually went back. So this will be this this will be the first time we've heard from Blake since the season started, <laughs> since October 10th. So right before the season started. So this is our first conversation or media availability with him i have four things that i've kind of written down that i'd like to hear from blake and i'm sure i i'm 100 sure they'll get asked i mean first and foremost obviously i think it's pierre Luc dubois i went back and listened to his availability 
when the trade was made. And one line that caught my eye was Rob Blake saying he's a player that can add production right away. And that's certainly not been the case. So I would ask him, like, what's your has Pierre-Luc Dubois lived up to your expectations or what's your what were your original mm-hmm. expectations for Pierre-Luc Dubois? And hopefully we can answer there. Another one would be what's your strategy going forward to implement Brian Clark into the lineup? And how difficult a decision is it to take a player like Jordan Spence out of the lineup who's been so good and a lot of five-on-five on ice metrics? That's something. Uh, another one is what's his confidence level in the current goaltending group? Can Do you feel Cam Talbot and David Riddich can carry you to the end of the season and into a playoff series? And then the, the first one I think is – actually, yeah, it's just those, those three. So I think those are three the questions. And then – a lot of people are going to be wondering probably what uh, – or maybe if he feels like the team continues on this downward spiral, do you feel a coaching change might be necessary? Might be another question that probably might have to be asked. Oh, yeah. Unfo- again, timing yeah. timing sucks. because Exactly. I that, and this, it, I mean, you look at it like – Yeah, Joe, you were talking about it with us in our private chat this morning about how Buffalo gets asked these questions left and right. And – I would say that the only thing I'll say with that, like Buffalo, I totally get because a lot of expectations there were them to at least maybe make some noise as a playoff, just playoff spot contender. And they're really having real bad struggles mm-hmm. over there. I mean, I'm not really paying attention, but it certainly feels like they're not living up to their expectations. Oh, yeah. expectations. But I mean, I can tell you right now, just by everything we've heard from Rob Blake and, and McClellan, just kind of listening to a lot of them talk over the last couple of years. They're going to point to them saying, we're on pace for 100 points. That's all they're going to point to, left and right. I mean, it's sure, sir, you can put makeup on a pig for how bad the team has looked lately. But, I mean, that's more than likely going to be the answer. But, like I'll say, like if, if this team continues on the downward spiral that they're on now, like there's going to have to be some changes because, I mean, like I would think that at least just making the playoffs would be good enough for this team. But I don't know. Being a wild card team might be kind of disappointing, even though you, you could be getting away from Edmonton in the first round. But man, if you do not make it past the first round, then I could be on the the train for making a, a coaching change at that point because you can't have three straight seasons. You can't go ten plus years now without a playoff series win, especially with all the moves that have been made, all these upgrades that have been made. You've talked about being a deeper team down the middle. Um, and try to emulate a little bit of what Vegas has been doing. So you're not, if you're not building a team that's going to be successful in the regular season, like we're seeing from Edmonton or Colorado or Boston, all these teams that build for success in the regular season, but kind of falter a little bit in the playoffs, even though Colorado just won the cup. But if you're not building that playoff success, then heads are going to start rolling. Maybe mm-hmm. some changes are going to be needed, needed to be made. You know, it's so it's so funny because I was talking to, to uh, a fan about about uh, uh, Mike Tomlin for the Steelers, you know? and everybody's like, "Yeah, I think they should fire Mike Tomlin." And I'm like, "Really? Like, I mean, the guy's had a losing season." And he's like, "Yeah, but he also hasn't won a playoff game since 2008." Like, so like, wh- a long time. Like, yeah, so like you you're yeah you're good enough to win games. You're a good regular season coach, but you're not getting it done. And at what time do you have to pull the ripcord on that? So. I, that would be a, a an interesting question there, and I know Todd has always seemed like a guy who takes accountability for 
when the team's not playing well. So I assume if you asked him that question, do you have feel like you're on the hot seat? He probably would say yes. But, you know, I, I think – or not yes, but he would say, yeah, we need to play better and, and take ownership of the situation. But I think another one would be what what is the reasonable expectation for Victor Arvidsson? You know, yeah. like it's, do you do you feel him as an, an actual possibility to to help this team down the stretch, or is this just kind of a smokescreen that's being used at this point? Because you know, obviously, that would be huge for for the team to get a sixty point producer back on the third line to play with Laferriere and PLD, I, or yeah. you know, you know, I think so because and and I don't know if this is a fair assessment. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I'm not in the locker room for every single media availability, so. I don't know how other teams operate, but it seems like the Kings keep their injury situations close to the vest to where, like I said, like we didn't even know they, they put out Copley's surgery, like after he did on, on, on Instagram. Right. So we learned about Lazat's return on the ESPN broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, is that something that's like, you know, is that reasonable? Because obviously a a 60 point producer would definitely jumpstart the offense again. Um, and and make the Kings that much deeper. So I think that would be something that I would be interested to see, you know, what that reasonable expectation is. Because we talked about in the beginning of the season, I mean, outside of LTIR money, which you are using if Victor Arvidsson's out, there's not really not much money to use for an acquisition without sending mm-hmm. money the other direction. So he would be the acquisition at that point. And what is – is that reasonable to think that that's a possibility or, or are we just – kind of hopes and dreams at that point you know it's funny i'm I'm, that's a really good point Randy, because that's something that at least we haven't talked about at all as we just say you know if and when he comes back it'd be a great add to the lineup just assuming he's coming back in at tip-top form which is probably not a fair expectation at least early in the first couple weeks he's probably gonna need a couple weeks to get back into it and it is a correct me if i'm wrong a back situation and it was a back situation that he had to get a procedure done so those just seem to reoccur uh, hopefully not I, I hope that's not the case but um yeah i think that's a good point Randon. that there's this assumption that well arvidson comes back and there's your trade deadline acquisition everything is all roses but you know uh, is it a mark stone situation to where he only comes back in the playoffs and they can use his ltir to help the season like is that type of what they're expecting? Well, you know, it? if they were rolling along still, maybe they could do that. But now they kind of don't have the luxury to do that. They had to actually get in playoffs, so they might need him sooner. I mean, you could LTIR him and then use his cap space to get somebody. I think that's what Vegas ended up doing. That's how they got Barbashev, right? Yeah. Kind of utilized a little of the magic. But I'm sure a lot of those, like, when's Arvidsson going to be back? What's your – What's Matt Roy and Victor Arvidsson's contract situation? What's Quinn mm-hmm. Byfield's contract Byfield situation? I'm sure contract, those questions sure. will get those questions will get asked. I mean, yep. those are all like top line questions that everybody wants to know. So that that I'm sure those those would be one of the first ones uh, asked from the media. Yeah, it should it, be fun it, though. It, it should be like in in and I'm sorry, like this shouldn't be fun. This probably shouldn't be a fun day for Rob Blake. I mean, I wish I wish it was different. I wish it was a different circumstance, and the Kings were still rolling, and they were you know chasing Vancouver, uh, but things aren't going well, and and you know you have to answer the bell for these. So yeah. hopefully, in I'm not saying he's got to give the ingredients to the secret sauce or anything like that, but obviously there's going to be people want answers to certain questions and um it's that's just the nature of the gig and i'm sure he'll be just thrilled to go through the process it's, it's gonna be rough 
to say the least, I'm sure. Um, yeah, like you mentioned with all the, but it's, I'm sure it's not as bad as everything that's going on in Toronto right now. Wow. <laughs> I don't, did you guys see that, worse. that quote from Sheldon Keith about how he doesn't know who he can trust on the ice? Like, when you have a coach saying something like that about when you just gave a player like an 11.5 a year mil a year deal, like you don't know who you can trust at that point. That's when I'd be like, okay, like what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Keith, Keith's an interesting one. He's not afraid to kind of fly off occasionally and where Todd McClellan for better, for worse. I, I love his availabilities, like, mm-hmm. but he's very, but at the same time he is, I don't want to say calculated, but he knows what he's saying. He's not new at this. He's done it before, but he's very thoughtful in how he gives his responses. It very rarely does it seem like Todd McClellan is emotional. And that's an emotional answer from Keith, right? Todd McClellan does seem to have a really good check on on his emotion when answering questions, even after you know tough losses. I think it's he's calculated, and he's also like he knows like how to like. I think he like twists the knife a little bit sometimes like, and like, Hey, like this player, this player, they ask about certain things. Like, it's almost like, uh, you know, like what, what they call them? Like that kind of compliments. Like, Oh, your hair looks nice for being that greasy. You're like, what, what, what are you what, saying? <laughs> what was the comment? I almost fell out of the chair when I saw something, somebody asked the question at uh, Kelly have had gotten benched and said something like what, you know, what didn't you like about, Kaliev's game or something like that. He goes, all of it. All of and that was What's that thing? Like McClellan's always very transparent with yes. every question that gets asked to him. I He's mean, thoughtful and like, I really like his availability. You want to know what's going on with the team is just listen to Todd McClellan's presence. Mm-hmm. He'll, yeah. he'll straight up tell you. I mean, you you may not get a lot of the questions that maybe may, you might be looking for, but like for everything that he gets asked, he gives a very thoughtful, analytical answer to it. And you may not like the answer, but he's this like they, he was asked, and he said, "Listen, I know I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get this question every time I put in Spencer Clark, but this is what we're doing. Here's how we're yeah. doing it, you know." So like he, uh, and you can appreciate that. You always have to like the answer, but always uh, I think his again I've said it before. He's he's got great job with his availabilities. Yeah, I think he does a good job there. Where it's like sometimes I I see like. Kyle Shanahan's answer and like he seems like he just gets upset with the reporter for asking a question you know like almost like just like just almost like almost like almost like you are you you're talking to me that way I'm Kyle Shanahan you know like yeah. how, how dare you how dare you talk to the to the god of, of the Niners like that way so I saw I saw you know, some Eagles players today getting at the reporters for asking them about Sirianni and it's like I mean man when you get in these situations it's that room gets tense. And it's like mm-hmm. you want fans. This is what the fans want. They want to ask these questions. They want you to ask these questions, and it's going to create a little bit of a tense uh, environment. But part of the job, they understand yeah. it, though. Yeah. There's a pretty wide range of expectations, you know. And obviously, a team like Philly that was in the Super Bowl, and then they lose five out of their last six, and don't even put up a fight against Tampa. Like those are expectations for a very proud Eagles team. Like I wonder. You know, and it's something that we're just used to in this LA market. And I think a lot of people kind of just that's why, hey, you know, Dubois came here because it's a little bit more lax. You know, Dano said it was nice as a player not to get a billion questions after every single game, you know, with minute detail. Um, you know, so it, I wonder, I wonder if 
Rob Lake maybe takes it for granted that he's in a, a market like this and and will he get the type of questions that he would have gotten all year long in Toronto or in or in Philly or in Boston or those types of places that that have larger hockey markets. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about. I will I like you use the word expectations there and I want to go back to that because I think the other thing to keep in mind is what exactly were like the Kings didn't come into this season. They came into this season, in my opinion, <clears throat> thinking, okay, progress, win a playoff rounds, let's see. And at that point, let's see, are, are we contenders? I don't think it, th- this wasn't like a cup or bust type of season, right? So I, I think that there's the start that the team had, had them on this trajectory of like, holy cow, this is a legit cup contender. And that maybe seemed to alter some expectations for people. But I don't, I suspect that in Blake and the management, they're very, their expectations didn't budge because of a great start or because of this bad stretch. Their expectations were we need to make, we need to make progress. We need to make progress with the individual players. We need to make progress uh, with our play, making playoffs. Ideally, that means better than let's host the first round, right? Maybe that's progress. Um, Let's win that first round. That's progress. So that's why I go back to, I don't know where, you know, for as much as people want McClellan gone, I'm not sure just because the expectations for the season, you know, Russ, you had said, hey, we're still on pace for a hundred points. And you know what? Like it still is true. You know, it's, it's how you get there. Like Edmonton had to make their change real early. How far do you let this go before it is necessary to make a change? And all of a sudden you're not anymore on pace for hundred points. So, but I, I think that expectation is, is important because this was never a season of, of cup or bust. I don't think, I think this was maybe year one of like, this team could make a deep run, but like this window is not that big. Assuming you want to win, do this right. All the talk with Kopitar Dowdy. So you you don't have much left in this, but this is maybe year one of like that three year window with those two to try to make a run here. So it doesn't have, it's not as if it has to be this year. And I'm not meaning to say that while we should be okay with, you know, a, a, a one in nine stretch, but I, I think it's important to just remember that. Yeah. I, I remember actually when I was watching the, his uh, preseason uh, media availability, Rob Blake, is um he was asked that question like is this team like a stanley cup or bust or stanley cup contender i think dennis bernstein asked that question and he tiptoed around it rob Blake did and kind of just gave that typical gm answer like oh if everything goes right and we get the goaltending we get all four playing well all, all four areas or whatever penalty kill special teams everything like that we should be able to contend there or something like that so he didn't necessarily come out and say like oh this is Stanley Cup bus, or we have to win a first round series, but kind of probably another question I wouldn't mind being answered is is like say asking him like is anything less than a first round first round uh, uh, or is a first round exit or anything less than a first round win uh, a success or a failure mm-hmm. for this team? So I think that's something that because I mean that's I feel like that's been the main thing that everyone's been pointing to what I've kind of been looking at. I mean, I wouldn't say like if they made it to the like Western conference finals and ended up losing in seven games to Edmonton or something like that. I don't think anybody would see no. this season a failure at no. all because you're making progress, 
But if you're not able to win a playoff series after what you've said the last two years and what has transpired so far, then we'll start having that conversation. But I guess you have to get to the playoffs first. Yeah, I see Carter scores that, in his opinions, is copper bus once they acquired Dubois. I disagree. Dubois wasn't a rental. Dubois is here for a duration. That was a huge piece, seen as a huge piece to help them get closer to a cup. Um, but I, Copper Bust would have been, he's not signing, you only signed him to eight year deal and Copper Bust in year one. So I, I, I don't quite agree with that personally. But if they're getting, if the goal, like Russ said, is to win with the <clears throat> old guard still intact with Kopitar and Dowdy, that's what two seasons. Right, I, I, I'm saying three, but after yeah, after this one, yeah. after this one, right? So, yep. so like, you know, where where are we not in the window? Like, like I know the expectations to start the season. It would be foolish for Rob Blake to come out and say, "Hey, you know, we're a Stanley Cup contender, and it's Stanley Cup or bust right now." It would be foolish for him to say that because he's gonna. He seems like the guy that kind of gives the the you know the corporate speak type answers, but. If that's their goal, and they've openly said that that's their goal to hopefully win a championship with Kopitar, like, like where, like where, when is it not cup or bust? This well, like it, it's got to be next season at least. That, that, that's why I said that's why I said this year there needed to be progress. Whether that progress is winning the division, whether that progress is winning a playoff round or two, there needs to be some progress because in that next year, the next two years after this, the expectation I imagine I would hope is now we're contenders. Right. So I'm not saying that this year is cup or bust, but that cup with the old guard, if you, as you call it, we got to be talking within, you know, three years here, this year, plus two more, maybe a third, if you can, because Kopitar doesn't really look like he's, he he just doesn't age. So maybe you you get that extra year out of him at at playing at such a high level. So I, I think you got this, this, one to three year window of at least doing it with these guys. That doesn't mean the window shuts, right? Cause there's other players, a young group of guys, defensemen, Dubois, we'll see what other players they bring in. Fiala's here for a while. So like, you know, it doesn't mean the window itself is closed, but if you're looking to do it with the Kopitar Dowdy, then, you know, that's gotta be where this is year one of, I'd say three year chance, uh, opportunity, maybe four if, if, if things go right. Yeah, let's say like if they don't win a playoff series, then going into next year, all the talk is going to be how can they get past the first round? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why and I that, say like my, my ex- yeah, and my, and that's that's Toronto Maple Leaf talk. <laughs> how do you win a playoff series? And it happened for them last year, but they never really got. I think they ended up getting to the finals, but and either way, so that's why I feel like you have to win a playoff series this year to kind of get away from that conversation so that way you can look forward and say okay we made noise in the playoffs let's see how much let's see how much further we can get and let's try to win a Stanley Cup but I'll tell you Brandon I mean the one area or one date that we'll be looking at to see if this is really Stanley Cup or bust is the trade deadline to see Mm -hmm. how creative Rob Blake gets because if he kind of stands pat with the roster he has now and you can talk about Victor Arvidsson coming back and being the rental piece but if he kind of stands pat, then I don't think this is considered a Stanley Cup or bust season because it certainly doesn't seem like they're utilizing a lot of their assets or being creative with salary cap as much as they can be in order to upgrade this team as 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 much as you can. So, I mean, that's what Toronto did last year. Look at look at all the moves they made. Like they brought in like four or five guys just to try to 
do whatever they could to win a playoff series and go to the Stanley Cup and didn't really happen for them. But yeah, I mean, if you're not you being creative at the trade deadline, then and he's like he, there. Yeah. he can be shown that he's willing to be creative. The guy traded a freaking franchise legend last year and Jonathan. Exactly, yeah. so I don't think people should question Blake's willingness to do something. Uh, Cause I, I don't think, I think he answered that question last year with addressing the goaltending with, with trading quick. So it's just a matter of, yeah, I think he probably has now they're in assessment mode. They got to see how these next few weeks go. And, and maybe that's another question for tomorrow is how much do these next, you know, three weeks, say two to four weeks determine what, you do as you approach the trade deadline, right? I mean, is, 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 is everything hinging on this or is this plan going to be what it is regardless? So I, I think that's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't ever feel bad for like Rob, Rob Blake's doing, doing well, but man, tough spot to be in tomorrow after this stretch. We got, we got some other expectations. Carter court scores coming in. So minimum Western conference finals is his expectation. Okay. Side coming in here, the competitive second round minimum, is my expectation. So first round win, be That's competitive in that, that second series. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have some people saying that there, there isn't a window for this team right now. Some people say it's a two or three year window. So a lot of different opinions. And when team starts losing, the criticism starts flying uh, at, at all the time. And, and uh, you know, Rob Blake and Tom McClellan aren't uh, immune to that. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to do it for here at uh, us at Hockey Royalty. Unless you wanted to add something, Russ, you were, looked like you were itching to say something. No, no, it's just I'm looking forward to tomorrow. <laughs> looking, for, looking forward <laughs> to tomorrow. I just want to see a should, win. It should, um, should be a fun day. So I appreciate you guys for coming in the chat today. Thank you guys always for lighting that bad boy up. Uh, we still have our um, Trevor Moore t-shirts. Uh, still get them while they're hot off the presses. $30 their size. Small through extra large. Contact at HockeyRoyalty.com, and we can do Venmo uh, for most of it. If you need a little accommodation, we can make that work for you. You can find us at HockeyRoyalty.com, hockey at hockey underscore royalty at Randy Commando 24, NHL Russell, and JW Paterino. All your rain coverage is done by Kyle at Kopitar for HOF. Please use our DraftKings code to get yourself some extra money. Code THPN. Bet on the game tomorrow. Let's get some dubs. Let's get some dubs. Let's get the good vibe. Let's shake off the bad vibes. Let's come home, get some home cooking, you know, maybe a nice little California burrito uh, and uh, and get this game uh, going with a, a nice dub. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming in here and on always on this podcast. Go Kings go.